History History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Welcome to episode 40. Number 40. The Cecil Hotel. Yeah. The Cecil. The Cecil. Um, so there's been a lot of stuff going on there at the Cecil for many, many years. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, let's talk about some business. How many downloads do we have? 19,081. Woo. 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 That's a lot. So thank you to everybody who listens to us and downloads our episodes and talks to us on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. We love you. We do. Let's talk about our Patreon and our website. Okay. So the website is MrHistoryPodcast.com, and there you can find all of our episodes, uh, merch. We got hoodies, shirts, clocks. Ooh, somebody bought a blankie. Yeah. It looks real nice. Yeah, we got blankets, pillows, got all cuddly. Like the biggest blanket I've ever seen. Yeah, it's fucking massive. And it looks very cozy. It's like plush. Oh, yeah. Good shit. It looks good for winner. And then from there, there's a link to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. We have two tiers. The first tier is $2, and it'll get you next week's episode right meow. Meow. Today. Right now. Right meow. Now. A week early. <laughs> and it also gives you a 10% discount to the store. And the second tier is $5. It gets you next week's episode meow. Meow. Uh, 20% discount code to the store, and then a bonus episode every Friday. Every Friday. From me and me. this motherfucker right here. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> uh, yes. So go check out all that stuff. Um, we had a thing going on with the QR stickers. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode drops, everybody should have their stuff. Yeah. The um, company we use kind of took a while. A really long it, it time. Was, it was kind of a bad time of year to order that, though. Yeah, it was like the beginning of December, and then it was COVID, and it was just... And Christmas. And yeah. All the, yeah. And USPS was like... Slow. Oh, it was rough. Real slow. I ordered a few things, and it's just like, yeah, we lost it. I ordered one thing, and it's just like, yeah, we don't know where it is. Well, so it's I... Like, sh- very cool. Well, it's still, it's going on. Like, I use Poshmark to... To sell clothes, and I shipped out a shirt last Monday, and it's still in Dayton somewhere. Yeah. It's like, okay, they're going to give me a bad rating because it took so long, but it's not my fault. I was prompt. It's funny, too. Sometimes you'll send something from there, and you'll, like, track it. And it'll be like it'll go from like here. It'll be going to like Columbus from uh-huh. Dayton, where we are. Uh-huh. It'll go from like here to like Indianapolis. Yeah, and then back to Columbus. It's yeah. weird. That just like I don't know. The hubs are weird. Dumb. Super dumb. Works, but, but thank you to all the post office yeah. workers because that sucks. I'm sure it's yeah. It's, it's very overwhelming. Yeah, especially now with all like the restrictions and shit. Yep. Like some of our stuff, there's vendors we use that were overseas. But for, with all the COVID stuff, you just can't ship internationally right now. Yeah. It's like... You it just puts a damper on everybody. Yeah. So, real quick, <laughs> me and Josh went to Fetch in the mall. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't ever buy... A, I mean, you know, people buy dogs from Fetch sometimes. Right. But I'm not... We bought a dog from there like 20 years ago, a beagle. Mm-hmm. Whenever we brought him home, he was 350 bucks, which was a lot back mm-hmm. then to us. Whenever we brought him home, he was so sick. So, like, I vowed never, I'll just buy them from the shelter. They need homes, everything, whatever. But they had a corgi, 
and I love corgis. Those ones with the short legs. Yeah, and their big old butts. Yeah. So cute. So they had one there. <laughs> so we went to the mall, and we went stopped in Fetch, and I was like, well, I'm just curious. How much is a corgi? And she's like, forty seven fifty. dollars And Josh was like, what? <laughs> 40, $47.50. $4,750. $4, and she's like, yeah, well, because of COVID, the breeders aren't being able to breed as often as they can. And the demand is up because everybody's Whoa. at home. That's like a that's like a, a pretty okay car. Yeah, you could get a pretty, ni- pretty nice car pretty for that. Pretty good used car for that. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. A little ass corgi butt. So that just means none of these dogs are ever going to get adopted. Pretty much. That sucks. I mean, damn. Damn. Fuck. 47. And he I was... got my dog from a, the shelter, and I got her on a... I didn't even know. I just walked in, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, everything's half off this weekend. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, what? <laughs> so I got a dog for like 70 bucks. My dog. all the shots and... <laughs> my dog's free because yeah, found I her. found her. Yep. Found him. Yeah. Just roaming hand. the streets. Yeah. But, oh, man, I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, the shelter is so nice because I, I got all the shots. Uh-huh. They get, like, a free, um, so you got a chip in her. Mm-hmm. They get, you get free, like, training classes. It's yeah. crazy, at least well, where we are. Well, yeah. that's what they were trying to say, like, before she said the astronomical 4750. She's like, well, that includes all the shots and a microchip and this and this and this and 4750. Like, no. Fucking nuts. No. Holy cow. Josh was looking online. We'll never... We have we have two cats and we have a dog. We're good on animals for, like, a, a long, long time. But he was looking at, like, online for corgis. And realistically, if you got it from, like, a breeder, mm. it's a hundred... Or $1,000. I mean, that's not terrible. It's so Which expensive. Is, but. Yeah. Because my all-time favorite dog is a English bulldog. Mm-hmm. But they're so expensive and they don't live very long. Yeah. So I like to just admire them from afar. <laughs> Because I don't have that kind of I want money. A pug. But a pug? They're so fucking cute. Call him Doug the Pug. <laughs> <laughs> you get a dog. Call him Ugly. Come ugly, over here, ugly. Ugly Pugly. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, they're so ugly, they're cute. They are. That's how I felt about Shih Tzus until no, Shih Tzus suck. Grandma's dog. So our gran- grandma bought a sh- got a Shih Tzu, and she got him for real cheap because he's inbred. Yeah. Which you can tell. I think, yeah, they couldn't sell it. Like, yeah. So, somehow the dogs got to each other and they just... Had a baby. Yeah. And he... And then my, my grandmother passed away, our grandmother, and then our grandfather kept him. And that was like his pride and joy. Mm-hmm. Now my mother has him and he is a dick. That Yeah, that dog is... He's made every single one of us bleed because he's bitten us. He has like uh What is it? Not glaucoma. Gla- not glaucoma. Whenever you get a fuzzy, maybe it is glaucoma. Yeah, I think it so is. Cataracts. He can't see, yeah, cataracts. Yeah, but so his eyes are like foggy, and yeah. he can't see. So anytime he sees movement, he just goes attacks, for that. and yeah. he tries to t- rip his tail out because it's trying to get. Yeah, his food. whenever he's eating, he like attacks himself. Yeah, it's just not good. Yeah, we were eating one side out. It was uh, during the summer, so I didn't have shoes on. Mm. I just like moved my foot, and he like almost ripped a toenail off. And yeah, he bites hard for how little he is. Yeah, around Christmas time, to I be had honest, my. The, oh, sorry. I had my Chuck Taylors on. Yeah. You remember? And he tried to bite me, but it was just like he was slipping. But if I wouldn't <laughs> have had shoes on, I would have been dead. Oh, it would have bad. been a gusher. Every Sorry if you have a small dog, but I'm not a fan of small dogs. Our cousin had a Jack Russell Terrier, and that thing was the devil, too. Yeah. Any small dog is just like... I've they never have, met a nice small dog. They have like little man syndrome. They do. I, I don't like. I don't know. It's weird. But, I feel like it's weird because like the huge dogs are so chill. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you ever... Uh, I don't know. I just I've never met a mean big dog. 
I want an English Mastiff. Those are the, the huge big ones. big ones. They had one that was a Mastiff, but I can't remember what other kind. But she was going to end up being 150 pounds. And then the English Mastiff was going to be like 200 pounds. Holy shit. I would just love a big dog like that. That's like, I feel like my dog's, she's only 40 pounds, but whenever she lays in bed, like, long uh-huh. ways, she's as tall as me. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't imagine she's, having. She's, uh, she's got a sturdy foundation. She does. She's not, she, yeah. She's a little, <laughs> a little thicker on a the middle. chunker. But she's not fat. She's just stocky. Yeah, like, she's like, that's just very she solid. Is. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, right? But I dog. feel like she's, like, not small. No. But like, she's I couldn't imagine. Shorter. Yeah. She's short, I think, but not, she's long. But yeah, I feel like she's big. Yeah. But I cannot imagine having a dog 100 pounds more than that. No. Or 150 pounds. That's insane. That's more than some people. A lot. Most people, I feel like. I don't know those people, but <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, because I like my dog to sleep in my bed. Right. I'm one of those people. Yeah, my, me too, yeah. And. She cuddles hard. I feel like I'd need a king-size bed. Yeah. Mm, crazy. <laughs> okay, well, moving on from that. Um, I don't know. So random. I don't know where we were going. Uh, but anyways, so we did get one new five-star review on Apple. Um, it was from Edboy520. He says, thank you so much. I love the podcast. You two make my day go so much faster at work. So, awesome. Thank you so much for that five-star review. It really helps. Mm-hmm. We're still to 4.5 right now. Um, so, we're, we we want to be a five. Yes, we do. Then <laughs> um, we don't want to be a four, though, for sure. So, uh, keep on rating and reviewing. Um, and then we have, like, 4,700 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'd really like for that to be a five. Mm-hmm. So Tell your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. Tag them. <laughs> bring, bring people to the dark side. That's what, yeah, we were kind of trying to get more patrons to, but we don't want to, like, shove in your face all the time, so... That's, yeah. hard. That's hard. That's a fine line you got to walk. Yeah. But if you become a patron, we just released a episode about all the things we want to do in, with the future of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's, if you're interested in where we, what we plan to do in the future, check that out. Check it out. Because we got some uh, some cool stuff yep. we want to do. We do. Um, anyway, so yeah, we already talked about the sticker packs. Anything else you want to talk about business related? No, if you want a sticker pack, let us know. Send us a message on Instagram. Yeah, I got some. I got several more left, and yeah. then we'll just give them till they're gone, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, the QR codes look sweet. I think. Yeah, and I checked. I tri- tried it out just mm-hmm. to make sure they worked, and it's pretty cool because in the middle of it, there's that mystery history. The logo, yeah. Logo. That's so neat mm-hmm. how it works. So it's cool too because on our end, if we send them out to you guys. We can make an account, or we have an account with that uh, the company that makes those, and we can check the analytics so we can see where in the world people are scanning it. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So make sure you're not sticking them anywhere illegal, but take them to a bar or stick them on a pegboard somewhere. Mm-hmm. A lot of bars all around here anyway have like, they're like factories kind of, and they have like poles, and the mm-hmm. poles are just full of stickers. Yeah. So just slap them on there. Yeah. Yep. Slap them. Somewhere. So you, Coffee shops on bulletin boards or something. Yep. So you get a QR sticker for the world, and then you get a sticker for yourself uh, just as a thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was very overwhelmed with the amount of people that want those sticker packs. We've had a few um, people since we posted the picture ask for some. So those obviously probably won't maybe be there by the time this airs. Right. So if you were a late bloomer, it's coming to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mail those out um, Monday. So, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, shall we dive into this Shishal Hotel? Yes. Okay. Start us off. The Cecil was built in 1924 by three guys, William Banks Hanner. That's a three-namer. I almost almost missed that one. William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, Dix. and Robert H. Shops. Shops. They're all three-namers. They are. It was the 1920s. Why why is that? Why did that stop? Why is that? Nobody goes by three names anymore. I mean, I could if we use our middle. I just think they use their middle name, like, in things. as their. As their three names. Huh. So, like, yeah, we have three names. We just don't use them. Well, I know that, but it's just weird that people, like, when did that stop? I don't know. Anyway, weird side tangent there. Um, (laughs) It was built by Loy, what a weird name, Loy Lester Smith in the bow art style, which is an art deco style. It was constructed by W.W. Padden, and the hotel cost $1.5 million dollars. In 1924, holy shit. That's a lot of dollars. When did... This is a dumb... The, never mind. The Depression was until the 30s, I was going to say. We're going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Because I was at 1.5 and... Oh, that's fucking crazy. Yep. It had a marble lobby, stained glass windows, and an alabaster statuary. It has uh, 700 guest rooms. It's a pretty substantial hotel. If you look at pictures of it, it is very, like, fancy. Mm-hmm. Very bougie. On the bottom floor. <laughs> then it gets bad. Yeah. So it's all marble and very like, I don't know, it's just very pretty. And then you go up and then it's like, uh, not it, so good. It still blows my mind how people wouldn't make skyscrapers, though, in like the 20s. Yeah. Like you see those old pictures of like New York mm-hmm. City, like when they're building the Empire State Building, they're mm-hmm. just like 50 floors up sitting on beams. Well, if you see this, like if you look at a picture of this hotel, it's almost like two hotels next to each other. And then like... Um, hallways that go hmm. from one tower to another tower. Right, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's very. I don't know how they do it. That's yeah. It's amazing. I am terrified of heights. So like the seeing that that famous picture of the guys building the Empire State Building sitting uh-huh. on the beam eating lunch. Oh like, yeah. They didn't have any kind of safety back then. No. There's no like now they have all kinds of straps everywhere. They're just walking around. Just eating the sandwich. Crazy. I was looking at um something on Facebook that was like the. Uh, craziest things people do that haven't died. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, whenever you put two cement blocks together, there's that steel rod? Mm-hmm. Well, there were steel rods sticking out, and it was, like, 12 stories up. And this guy was climbing on the rods on the end of the Jesus. cement. Just, like, going, like, no no big deal. <laughs> like, I would die. No way, yeah. I would, I would freak out I'd and freeze. fall. Yeah. If I'm on, like, a high building, like a roof, I can't go to the edge. Like, I can be on the roof, fine. But if I'm, like, close to the edge, I can't. No. No way. I I don't trust myself enough to be, like, those people that look over the edge of mountains. No. Or those fucking videos of people on YouTube, like, just jumping around, like. You parkour? Yeah, on the roofs. Like, no. No fucking chance. What if you sneeze? You're dead. (laughs) You ever think about that? Or you fart and you get a little extra oomph and you just go off that (laughs) pillar, you know? Little jetpack. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, there you go. Hmm, that's crazy. 
So the the three investors put in $2.5 million into the property, but five years after the hotel opened, the Great Depression hit. Hmm. So that's kind of like me buying a house and then the housing market crashed. Yep, that sucks. So that was cool. So I get it. That's I don't bummer. didn't have two point five million dollars, but <laughs> who cares? Two point five hundred. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, throughout the nineteen forties, the hotel was upscale, but by the nineteen fifties, it started to go downhill as it was very close to Skid Row, which has ten thousand homeless people living within four mile radius. Wow! So I was w- watching a documentary on the Cecil, and they showed a picture of Skid Row, and I haven't really had much. You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of that, and it's just like tents. It's like yeah. tent city, yeah. just tents of people. And oh, I mean, I'm at least in California, the weather isn't terrible, so right. they don't have to deal with like really cold. But yeah. that's like this is kind of off topic a little bit. But in um, Vegas, have you ever seen those people? They have like so Vegas is kind of built up on like a like a platform almost mm-hmm. and underneath is where all the, they had to like build sewage cause it's all desert. Mm-hmm. So they had to like build the city up and then underneath is sewage. Oh. So all, all the homeless people there cause it's so hot. They live underneath the city. Oh. But the problem is whenever it like rains a lot, it floods and like fills. Oh so my. there's been people that have been like trapped in there. Oh my gosh. It's, that's terrible. Oh yeah. It's bad. I've been to Vegas, but I've never known under mm-hmm. underneath. It's kind of like Chicago, I guess where there's like, they built it on top of the, you yeah, know, of the yeah. fire situation. We'll do an episode on that, too. That's yeah, pretty fascinating. It is. Um, yeah. So when the homeless people would get money from whatever, panhandling, robbing people, whatever, they would come and stay at the Cecil because it was right next door to where their tent was. <laughs> so throughout the years, the Cecils had a, been a host to many terrible tragedies, and many people used the hotel for their last stay while committing suicide or murder. By the 1960s, longtime residents began to call the Cecil the suicide. Yeah. Not a good nickname. Nope. So, the, also, the Cecil was so cheap. Like, there were a lot of residents that lived just lived in the hotel. Hmm. So, it was like 20 bucks a day, and they oh, just wow. lived there. That's crazy. So, yeah. Here's some of the horrible things that occurred there, and I went in order. From earliest to latest, because that's how I like to do it. Um, On November 19th, 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton was uh, found dead in his room after ingesting capsules. He was 46 years old. Yeah. What did I say? You just said capsules. Well, you could assume they're poisonous (laughs) because he's dead. Uh, (laughs) He was 46. A week prior, he had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. Norton's death appears to be the earliest known suicide at the hotel. And that was fairly recent after it opened. Mm. Not too, too long. In September 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodick dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. Yeah, and he was only 25. That's crazy. And I used to be a, a maid. Mm-hmm. Not a good one, but it used to be one. And it was always very nerve-wracking going into rooms because you never know what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Especially a hotel that big with 700 rooms. Like, no. We always had to leave the door open. Or no. We had to leave the door closed while we were in there to make sure that nobody, like, rushed in and tried to shut us in and then do I feel like most places things. you go, they, they leave it open. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've never been to, like, a humongo hotel, though. No, that's true. 
In March 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from a ninth-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or a suicide. I guess that's better than hitting the ground. I mean, it I still suck. Wouldn't it? Le- no, I guess it wouldn't so, electrocute no. you. But it'd still not you'd be get comfortable. Cut up. Oh yeah, it'd be yeah. That's probably the only reason she didn't die. Exactly. That's yeah. Ew. Oof. In January 1938, United States Marine Corps fireman Ray Thompson jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. Dang. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. That's a pretty fucking strong skylight to not break after a guy land on it. Yeah, that's true. Good, good, yeah, good glass there. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, say it was a skylight in your bathroom, and you was just taking a shower and looked up and there was a dead guy? Nope. They'd be shit in that shower. <laughs> Tell you what. My God. In January 1940, teacher Dorothy Schuyer, 45, ingested poison while staying at the Cecil and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be near death, but there were no f- reports um, were published on her condition and if she made it out. Hmm. In September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell who was 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine, who was 38. That's almost illegal. That, mm-hmm, that's a big jump. Very close. Purcell, who had been apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, went into labor. She later testified that she did not want to disrupt the sleeping Levine, so she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. Thinking the baby was dead, she threw him out the window, and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. Purcell was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists, known as the Alienists, testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. In January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, I feel like you must be something throwing a baby out a window. Holy shit. And to not wake up somebody because you're going into labor. How nope. do they not wake up anyway? I'm waking Wouldn't you, you up. Wouldn't you be screaming? Yeah, I would be screaming. Well, who, like, what kind of thought is that? Just like, it's dead, so I'm going to throw it out the window. I mean... I feel like you could tell if a baby's dead or not, right? You'd think so. That's sad. That's awful. Yeah, wow. So here's a biggie. Elizabeth Short, a murder victim, dubbed the Black Dahlia, <laughs> is one of Los Angeles's best known for um, the most well-known death in, in the Cecil. She wasn't in the Cecil technically, but she was found in the middle of an empty street cut in half with cuts on her face from the corners of her mouth to her ears. The case remains unsolved. She was reportedly seen at the Cecil's bar in the days shortly before her murder in January 1947, but the, this information remains disputed. You've so, seen that picture of her? Oh, yeah. That's bad. And supposedly she was picking up a lot of fellas. Oh, really? Because she didn't have any money. She had come to L.A. to be a big-time movie star. Mm -hmm. She was very beautiful. Mm -hmm. But while she didn't have any money, so she would use guys to, like, buy her dinner, buy her drinks. And, yeah. They said that it was, like, probably, like, the person that did it was probably, like, a surgeon. Yeah, because they knew how to cut in between the bones. Yeah, they said there's, there's, like, one spot in the body where if you cut it, it basically... Cuts you in half. Yeah. And, like, they knew exactly where that was. Well, do you know how she was found? A lady was walking her baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was, like, in a ditch, kind of. Yeah, and she thought it was a mannequin, and then she got closer to it and realized it was the real body. 
It's kind of well. It's not. It's like the Joker kind of like. Well, your face was like, like it's yeah, literally like a ugh. big, crazy, oh, scary ass smile. That's awful. Yeah. So on October twenty second, nineteen fifty four, Fa- San Francisco stationary firm employee Helen Gurney. I don't know why. I almost said Helene. Helene Gurney. <laughs> Helen Gurney, who was fifty five, jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. And that's what is so troubling for the Cecil and, like, cops that would come investigate. The Cecil wasn't a place that you really wanted to be in. So if you went and registered, back then you could just use any name that you wanted. And they weren't going to ask any questions. I mean, they're selling your room for 20 bucks. What do they care? Well, that's crazy. It's just weird how, like, it's hard to picture that being reality. Because uh-huh. like that's like the H.H. Holmes thing. He'd be like he would kill people and then be like, "Where'd she go?" The cops would be like, "Where is she?" And they'd be like, "Oh, she just left." Yeah, and the went. cops were like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's amazing that they were able to solve anything really. It's crazy. And uh, speaking of again, the Black Dahlia, we'd like to do a full episode mm-hmm. on her um, one day. But yeah. Okay. On February eleventh, nineteen sixty-two, Julia Francis Moore, who was fifty jumped out of the window of her eighth-floor room and landed in a second-story interior lighting well. She did not leave a suicide note. Among her possessions was a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois, Illinois bank book showing a balance of 1800 bucks. For today's money, that'd be like $15,000. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, yeah. Weird. And and have you ever been in a hotel where the window's open? No. Most of the time they're locked. Probably because, because of this of reason. <laughs> we went to the um, Hilton in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and they it's like that building was built in the twenties or thirties or something like that. But they were like you can tell they were meant to open, but they like sealed them. Uh-huh. But it's weird with those like buildings. Yeah. Yeah. I understand why. I mean, yeah, you never know who's checking thing in anymore. On October twelfth, nineteen sixty-two, Pauline. Oten, who was 27, jumped from her window on the ninth floor after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. <laughs> what a terrible name. <laughs> uh, he had left the room prior to Cotton's suicide. Cotton? Co- whoops. Cotton Are Weary. Are you going to <laughs> <Yeah>. scream? <laughs> <laughs> Cotton Weary. Deputy Dewey. So, <laughs> uh, Otten. I'm sorry. Um, Otten landed on a pedestrian. Oh, my God. George Gianni, 65, killing them both instantly. As there were no witnesses, police initially thought that Otten and Gianni committed suicide together. However, it was soon determined that Gianni had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death. He was still wearing his shoes. Um, he had jumped with his shoes, or if he jumped, his shoes likely would have fallen off during the fall or the impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets. Yeah. This so is they, great police work. <laughs> well, they were going at the husband hard because he they thought that he had left and then came back and found them together oh. and threw them out the window. Oh. But because they didn't know anything right. and the husband didn't know this guy. God, that suck. So then they went to George's house and his wife had passed away. He was like an upstanding member of society. They thought that maybe she had turned a little like hookerish mm-hmm. and was trying to get some money. But yeah, he was just walking down down the street. And a body falls on you. Because, and also, like, all of her bones and her body were broken. And the only bone broken in his body was his neck because she fell on his head. Oh, God. That's 
Yikes, that's awful. That's like the worst timing ever. No kidding. A second before or second after. Yikes. Yeah. On June 4th, 1964, a hotel worker discovered discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood. She was a retired telephone operator, dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Osgood was well-known around the area and had earned her nickname because she fed birds in nearby Pershing Square. Near her body was the L.A. Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Hours after her murder, Jacu... How do you say it? Jacques. Oh. Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> I always... There's a book Jacques. that me and Evie read, mm-hmm. and it's got that name in it, and I Jacques. always struggle, so I just say the last name. Mm-hmm. Jacques B. Hillinger who was 29, was seen walking through the Pershing Square in blood-stained clothes. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime. How are you walking around with yeah. blood-stained clothes? What? Whose blood is that? <laughs> yeah, that's... What okay, he was cleared of this one, but whose blood yeah. is that? Don't check room 47. Right. <laughs> I didn't do that one, but... <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, so the murder still remains unsolved. Nobody that's, knows. That's awful. Mm-hmm. And the thing about her was she was very beloved in the area. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knew who she was. So it was scary for everybody. Right. Because she was such a, you know, yeah, not like a just person. a bird feeder. Yeah. On December 20th, 1975, a still unidentified woman, approximately 23 years old, jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Lowell and was staying in room 327. That's crazy that there are people that can't be identified. That's, yeah. Like, there's no record. And this is 1975, so it's not, like, super, like, long time ago. How was her room 327, but she was on the 12th floor? That doesn't make any sense. Well, she was staying in room 327, Uh, but there's elevators that go up and down. You got me there. (laughs) Forgot about those things. (laughs) (laughs) On September 1st, 1992, a man was found deceased in the alley behind the Cecil. Authorities believe the descendant either fell from, jumped from, or was pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. How do you... uh... What great police work that is. That so somehow, either he fell, or he got pushed, or he jumped. We know that he, he flew and landed. <laughs> what we do know is that he was up there, and now he's down here. <laughs> That's all we know. <laughs> uh, at the time of his death, um, he was 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed around 185 pounds. He was wearing blue sweatpants and a black sweatshirt. That doesn't match. And over a gray t-shirt. The <laughs> That's why somebody pushed him. It doesn't fucking match. So let me tell you another story. Let me go off here. Oh boy. So I am the lighting in my house is not great. Okay. Okay. It was built in 1920. Okay. But I mean, it's been upgraded. I don't know since what that has then. to do with sunlight. <laughs> I'm setting the scene. Okay. okay. It's very art deco. Okay. And I had uh, my Mystery History black sweatshirt on. Mm -hmm. We were going to go to Nothing But Noodles because we wanted some noodles. Okay. And I put on what I thought were black leggings. Yeah. I had to pee at the noodle place. Going to the bathroom, they're freaking blue. I look like a hot mess express. How dare you? I was so embarrassed. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Okay. Carrying on. 
The L.A. coroner placed the de- the deceased age at twenty to tw- thir- whoa, age twenty to thirty two years old. You okay? That's a big gap. Yeah. I just couldn't. I so couldn't say it. This guy fell and he was an age. He had an age. He was up high and then he was low and then he is also a human and he has an age. Yes. What well, great police work. <laughs> yes. And it's he's never been identified. That's awful. Yeah. That sucks. Like, you got to have someone out there in the world. But then again, back... Well, this was 1992. I was going to say, yeah, 1992, phones are around. Like yeah. It's, pretty, it's easier to talk to people than in it was the, in 1920. Right. He, yeah. L.A. Wow, that was 1992, doing? and they were still... Their police work barely got better in 70 years. We just know <laughs> that he... Something happened. <laughs> Something you, terrible. The culprit here is gravity. It's a real bitch. Yeah. The problem was he didn't have wings. No. Nope. And he had mismatched shit. Yep. And he was 20 to 48. Yikes. Okay. So this one is a pretty famous one. Most of you probably heard about. On February 19th, 2013, the naked body of Elisa Lamb, a 21-year-old Canadian student, was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof. She had gone missing almost three weeks earlier. On January 31st, 2013... Her decomposing body was discovered by a maintenance worker in one of the rooftop water tanks after guests had complained about low water pressure and water that tasted funny. That's That, like, makes me want to vomit. Oh, yeah. Authorities later ruled Lamb's death as an accidental drowning. Video surveillance footage taken from inside the elevator shortly before her disappearance showed her acting strangely, pressing multiple elevator buttons, hiding in the corner of the elevator, and waving her arms wildly causing widespread speculation about the cause of her death. After the elevator video was released, many theories arose about Lamb's death. She was reported to have had bipolar disorder, for which she had prescribed various medications, which could have contributed to her death, as well as strange the strange behavior in the elevator. However, rumors persist that she died as a result of playing the elevator game, a mm. paranormal urban legend that claims to take the player to another dimension. I didn't know about this until I started watching documentaries about it. Mm -hmm. And it does. So we'll talk about it later. But my boy, Zach Baggins, they just released a two-hour episode of the Cecil Hotel. And he was doing the game. And, Mm -hmm. like, there there are parts in the video of the, the surveillance tape where she's, like, doing some weird motions with her hands. And apparently, like, you do some weird shit. Like, you jump out, you look left to right, you go back in, you go to the seventh floor, you go, you know. That's part of the game. Yeah. Mm. So, after knowing about the game, it kind of makes, makes sense. Makes sense. But, yes. The but thing is, still... too, it doesn't say on here, but they said those water tanks on the roof were locked. Yeah. Like, so there's no way for a person to get in them. Right. And she was just found, and, and she was in it, and it was locked. Yeah. So, so it was locked behind her. Yep. So they, well, and even getting onto the roof, you have to have a special key card to get in that only the maintenance guy and the front desk dude had. It seems like it has to be a murder to me. Well, and and then. Like, it, well, look, in the tape, too, it looks like she's hiding from someone. Yeah. Because she's, like, getting in the elevator, looking out, like, frantically. Yep. But then again, it's also the list of stuff that that game has. Yeah, but... Well, and then they also say, too, that they think that the footage on the elevator was um, 
was cut up because you go from, I forget what the minutes are, but you go from this to hmm. like 30 seconds ahead and people are wanting to know where's, where's the, the footage. Missing? Yep. But supposedly the LAPD says that they released the full footage to the news people, but then obviously they cut and edit things to make it fit whatever right. they need. And they are claiming that just nothing happened during that time. But nobody really knows. That's crazy. They said I was watching a video about that before too, and it said they said the water tasted funny, and they said it was coming out of the faucets black. Yeah, it's like that's oof. Because it was her bile, like <sighs> three weeks. Yikes! Yeah, because that was that was a thing too. She was so small; she was very small in stature, and she'd have to go to the roof, climb up the ladder, lift open the hatch. Yeah, they said the hatch was like the hatch hundreds of pounds. Yep. Whenever she's in there. After taking off all of her clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Something doesn't make sense. I think it has to be murder, I think. Um, Oh, and another thing, too, with this. So, they never found her phone. (laughs) Everything else was in her room. It looked normal. Nothing was astray. She had a blog of her travels, and that was her laptop was on the bed, everything, but they could never find her phone. So, several, like, 20 days or so, don't quote me on that, after she was found dead mm-hmm. or after she went missing, there was a post that came up on her Reddit, Whoa. and it was a tarot card. And I'm trying to find what the tarot card was, but I can't remember what the the, the hermit, I think, is what the tarot card was. And basically that signifies, like, wanting to be left alone. Whoa. But they still never found the phone. What the fuck? Yeah. That's... Terrifying. That is terrifying. Oh, I don't like that. But how often do people get hacked? Yeah, too? that's true. Doesn't necessarily mean they had to have her phone. They could have just been. Right, in her account. It could have still been the person that did it. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they would have the phone. Yeah. And you'd think at that point they would be able to pinpoint where that phone was. Yeah, you'd think so. But, meh. Okay. On June 13th, 2015, the body of a 28-year-old man was found outside the hotel. Some believe he may have committed suicide from by jumping from the hotel, although a spokesperson for the county coroner claimed that the death has not been determined. Hmm. Uh, I don't really understand that either. No. I don't know how you cannot determine a death. The cause of death. Oh, Okay. The, the death is, that's the confirmed. The death's dead. The death is, they did. he's dead. Yeah. But the cause of death, they're just like, mm. Still, though. Who knows? Hmm. They're just not very good at that in L.A. Sorry <laughs> if you're from L.A. and doing this. But. So if you are from L.A., how's the police work going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, has it gotten better? <laughs> or what? Uh, that's funny. What are your thoughts? All right. So two serial killers have also frequented the Cecil Hotel. Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, who we did an episode um, on episode three. That's we did, so we long ago. Him. That's crazy. It seems so like we just did that. So it's probably terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. It's probably bad. Just so you know. Don't also, judge us. Side note. They're about to come out with a oh yeah. a, two, or a four-part documentary, I think, yeah. on Netflix. It looks fucking good. It does. But yeah, so you listen to it. It's probably not that great. Yeah, don't judge us. Give don't us a break. Give us a break. Um, the facts are the facts. True. We're not like the LAPD. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> We know um, some shit. So, Rich Ramirez used the hotel for about three weeks in the 1980s. By that time, the area had been so bad, the police kind of just let the area go. Yeah. They just didn't go there. 
They didn't uh, patrol and only went there when they were called in. They gave Richard Ramirez pretty much free reign. He would kill his victims, dispose of the bodies in alleys near the Cecil, and throw his blood-soaked clothes in the dumpster, then walk to his room naked. At the Cecil, no one asked any questions. I'd be asking some questions. Yeah. Like, where the hell are your pants, bro? (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. So this next one, I did not know anything about this dude, and I'm shocked. I'm shook, as the kids say. (laughs) Okay? Shooketh. I am shooketh. (laughs) (laughs) In 1991, Jack Unterweger moved into the Cecil. So let me tell you about little Jackie boy, mm-hmm. okay? He was a sh- Austrian. Like Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. Okay? He was convicted of one murder <laughs> in 1974. He went to prison, and he turned his life around. So now he's a writer, and he does, like, playwrights, and he's just this fabulous dude. He was released in 1990. Because they thought, oh, okay, he's good now. Mm-hmm. Okay? No. You're wrong. He's not good. <laughs> After his release, he became a little bit of a celebrity. And in 1991, Unterweger was hired by an Austrian magazine to write about crime in L.A. and the differences between the U.S. and the European attitudes of prostitution. Okay? I don't, I don't know what's different about it. <laughs> I mean... It's, they use different monies. <laughs> it goes into hole. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Unterweger went to the U.S. Okay, he checked into the Cecil, and he it was said that he was trying to emulate Richard Ramirez, who he was a big fan of. <laughs> he locked down some ride-alongs. Again, the LAPD's not looking great. He locked down some ride-alongs with the LAPD in the red light districts for his research. Little did they know that he was using the information he collected on the ride-alongs to see which areas weren't patrolled by the co- by the cops and where he could get away with what. He's not a dumb guy. Pretty smart, those pretty, Austrias. Pretty smart. So he killed three sex workers, Shannon Exley, Irene Rodriguez, and Peggy Booth. They were all beaten, sexually assaulted with tree branches, and strangled with their own brawls. That's awful. Yeah. Each brawl was ripped, then tied back together with a very unique knot that tied the murders together. He left the Cecil and went to Miami, Florida, and on February 27, 1992, was arrested. He was extradited to Austria in May of 1992 and charged with 11 homicides he committed in Europe and the three in the U.S. The jury found him guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. That night, he committed suicide at the Graz Carlo prison by hanging himself with a rope made of shoelaces and a cord from his pants. The knot he used was the same as he used to strangle the sex workers. So, rule number one of being a serial killer, don't do something the same at every crime scene. Because mm-hmm. then you get hit with them all. Yeah. Or just don't murder people. That's also a good that could tip. Be, yeah. yeah. Better tip, probably. So then that makes me think that, okay, he got caught for the one murder in 1974, but he probably had a lot more than that in right. 1974. Probably. Yeah. So. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Pretty bad. Like, how dumb. You, that poor LAPD guy. He's probably <laughs> just like, I was just trying to help him. And here you are murdering people. <laughs> Sad. All right. So in 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished after new owners took over. In 2011, the Cecil was renamed Stay on Main. Hmm. 
because everybody knows what the Cecil is, um, and added a new website, letting the CecilHotel.com expire in 2013. Interesting. Yeah. In 2014, the hotel was sold to New York City Hotelier. Is that right? Hotelier. I don't know how to say it. He's a hotel guy. Hotel guy. He buys hotels. Yeah. Richard Bourne for $30 million. And Simon Barron Development acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. That's That's, a long time. That is a long time. In 2016, (laughs) we're so smart. Our great reporting work. That's a long time. That's a long time. (laughs) In 2016, Matt Barron, president of Simon Barron, said that they were committed to the preservation of architecturally or historically significant components of the building, like the Grand Lobby, but the company planned to redevelop the interior. They renovated the rooms and planned to add a gym, lounge, and rooftop pool. (laughs) So maybe people that jumped off of the other buildings could just land in the pool yeah i mean or they get up to jump off the roof and they're like wait there's a pool up here <laughs> i need to do a breaststroke this looks way more fun than committing suicide <laughs> uh, the project is said to be completed actually this year in 2021 huh. <laughs> and that might be delayed now yeah because all the covids covids so in 2017 la city council voted to deem the cecil as a historic cultural monument because of its representation of an early 20th century american hotel and because of the historic significance of the architect's bodywork. It is very beautiful. It like takes it reminds me of Bioshock. Yeah, like the Art Deco yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like you're just walking into a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh there's some things in pop culture that I didn't know about. Number one, I didn't know U2 was so freaking old. Yeah. No. Nineteen eighty seven. U2 did a concert on the roof of one of a one-story building near the Cecil. It was recorded and released as a music video for Where the Streets Have No Name. I'm pretty sure they were big like in the early 80s. Yeah. They've been around forever. But the Cecil is a backdrop for that music video. Hmm. Hmm. So the next one is The Cecil Was an Inspiration for American Horror Story 5 Hotel. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it highly. I've never seen any of those. Amazing. I don't like it. I tried. And I Lady Gaga is amazing. Ugh. Don't ugh her. I love her. Okay. The hotel can also be seen in the backdrop of Blink-182's video, The Rock Show, (laughs) from 2001. That's older shit, too. I know. That makes me love that shit. (laughs) Yeah. And Ghost Adventures just released a two-hour special on the Cecil that is available on Discovery Plus. Now, Discovery Plus doesn't give us nothing, but I highly recommend it. It's six dollars hmm. or seven. Can I get your login? No, because it's connected to something. I was oh let me let me see what I can do oh for you. God. But anyway, every season of Ghost Adventures is on there. Every season. Like okay. Every season. Yikes. <laughs> so many seasons. <laughs> and there are so many documentaries on there. There's a lot on cults. I've watched a Jeffrey Epstein thing. I've watched a Tiger King documentary. Hmm. I live for documentaries. In the last little bit here, so I Googled stayonmain.com, the new name of the hotel, mm-hmm. but the link's broken. Oh, nice. It just goes to like a GoDaddy website. Yeah. Um, I Googled if you can stay at the Cecil, and you can't right now because it's closed for the renovation. The room price, the last room price I saw was listed for $36 a night. That's fucking crazy. In L.A. That's so cheap. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I'm looking and a lot of the rooms don't have bathrooms and they just have like one communal bathroom per floor. Ooh. I don't know how many rooms per floor. I would assume like a lot. A lot of rooms. Yeah. yeah. If you have 700 of them. That's, yeah. No so I'm a private pooper. <laughs> I don't like to be pooping around people. Mm-hmm. That And then like, wait, because it's kind of seedy. What kind of lock is there on the shower? Probably like not. They're probably just stalls. It's probably just a curtain. Yeah, exactly. It's like some psycho shit. Yep. I'm not into that. I would like to go there just to go there, but I'm not going to really stay there. Just the lobby will do it. Just the lobby. Yep. Yep. So to cite our sources, I went to medium.com, wiki, as always, and filmdaily.com. So do you have anything to add about the Cecil? I don't think so. Would you visit there? Yeah. Would you stay the night there? No. No? If I take anything away from this episode, is don't get murdered in L.A. Yeah, because the cops aren't going to know who the <laughs> fuck you are. He's like, like, oh, I don't know. He's dead. Right. He did. He did. He got here from there, and he bleed <laughs> bad. He has less blood in him now than he did. <laughs> he stopped breathing. <laughs> Terrible. Sorry to all our LAPD yeah. folks out there. Just don't have good representation. Yeah, none of this episode anyway. Nope. All right. Well, we hope you all enjoyed this episode 40, The Cecil. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.